0: Welcome city fam. Hope you guys had a great, uh, spring break. And, you know, as I was getting ready for today and and thinking through some of the content we'll be talking about today, it occurred to me that I have, I have a bit of a, an issue. Um, you know, there are two kinds of people in this world. There's the kind that will ask for help in a store when you can't find something. And then the kind that, that won't. Uh, I don't know which side of the aisle you fall on. Probably more of the guys fall on. Like, I'm not going to ask for help than the ladies. Maybe it's not a gender thing. I don't know. Needless to say, I, I don't ask for help ever. Like, period. It's just one of my things, right? My, my, my wife, on the other hand, is the complete opposite. I, I think she goes into stores, like the, the second she walks in, she's just looking for someone to ask something, even if she doesn't need help, right? She, she, she wants to ask questions. I, I, I don't do that. I mean, I don't even like to look like I need help finding something. You know what I'm saying? Like I could be searching every aisle and someone walking up to me, I know they're going to ask. I'll get a little more confident, right? Like walk a little different. Like, yeah, that all looks good. Do you need help? No, like I could need help in the worst possible way, but I'm going to tell you I don't. I mean, it's so bad. I've left stores without what I came to buy just because I couldn't find it. I wish I were lying about that, but I'm not. It's true. It's, it's sad. What is that in us that makes us not want to ask for help? There's something there. Like, you know, I'm good. I, I don't need help. I don't need directions. Uh, uh, I'm fine. And I think it's in us from birth. Maybe it's a simple pride thing, but you can see it even in, in kids. Like my, my son, Xander, he's 11 now. But when he was four or five, we took a little fishing trip. And his, his poppy, who's my dad, let him drive the boat. He's never touched a steering wheel before. Doesn't know how to drive a boat. And look what his his reaction is when Poppy tries to help him. No, I got it. I got it. I get back. I got this, right? That's our attitude in life. Like what is that in us that has that just automatic response of I got this. I got this. I'm good. And what happens when you don't got this? Today we're going to, Learn a few different things about about a war that's going on all around us that you might not even be aware of. We're going to learn some things about Daniel and how his weakness, his vulnerability was exposed and how he responded in that moment. And more importantly, how God responded to Daniel in that moment of weakness and how maybe he wants to respond to us in our moment of weakness as well. We're in chapter 10. Of Daniel. In case you're keeping track, this is the 11th week we've been in this series called Kings and Kingdoms, and this is kind of the finale of, of Daniel. Chapters 10 through 12 kind of go together, and starting today and leading up into Easter, you're not going to want to miss uh, what's coming, but today kind of sets up those next two uh, chapters, and uh, if you've missed any of them, by the way, now's the time to go back and catch up. You can do that on our app. I mean, e- even me being someone that's been in ministry for 20-something years, raised in church, I've learned so much from, from this series and the content, just things that are happening now and things that are to come and how we should be responding. To this. I mean, it's, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And I know a lot of you have told us similar things. And so hopefully today is more of the same as we get into Daniel chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, now's the time to get them out, your Bible app. I think the best way is to do it through our app, the message notes. Everything that you need is there, the scriptures, the 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 points I'm going to make later. All of it's there. And so we're going to, as always, read a little bit. We'll pause occasionally to kind of unpack some stuff. But let's see what Daniel has to say to uh, to us today. In uh, chapter 10, verse 1, let's start reading. He says, in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, you remember that's the Babylonian name that he was given, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of, of war, and great Hardship. So a couple of fun facts here. This is the fourth and final vision that Daniel has. And this is uh, during the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. This is shortly after the Jews were released, you know, from exile. Some Jews chose to stay in that area. Daniel is one of those. Uh, we don't know why he stayed. Maybe God told him to. Maybe he's just too old to travel that far. He's about 85 years old at this point. We don't really know, but he's, he's still there. And uh, this is about the same time as the lion's den incident. It's kind of interesting. We don't know if it was right before or right after this vision, but it's in a similar time frame as him getting thrown into that lion's den. So he's been now in that area for over 70 years. He's 85 plus years old. He's still alive and kicking and God isn't done with him yet. So in verse two, he starts talking about his vision. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So a little pause here. He's, he's in this three-week period of mourning, of, of prayer and fasting. If you've been around church at all, you might have heard that term. Fasting is abstaining from food for a, a spiritual purpose, right? It's denying ourselves something so that we can pray more earnestly, so that we can hear God more clearly. Uh, this is what Daniel's doing. He's, he's left the Capitol. He's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and he's seeking God. He wants wisdom. You know, he, he's, God's re- revealed a lot of the picture in these other visions he's had, but, God, but Daniel in this moment wants to know more. One theologian said it this way. Daniel was in a state of prayerful turmoil. Like he was in angst, anguish for three whole weeks fasting, praying, begging God, speak to me. And God's about to. In verse four, on April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning. And his eyes flamed like torches, his arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified, ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. When I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. So he sees in this vision, this supernatural being, the guys with him don't see it, but they sense it somehow, right? They bail on him, leave him all alone. And just the sound of this being's voice causes Daniel to completely lose it, faint. He's face down in the dirt. He's seen angels before. He's had these encounters, these visions before. Something was different about this one. So, so who was this being that he's seeing? So there's some disagreement there. Some people think it's God himself. Some people think it's Gabriel or one of the other angels. Some even think it's a combination of both. At times he's seeing God and sometimes he's seeing an angel. Most agree, however, it's probably Gabriel who is God's messenger. Angel. So that's kind of the stance we're going to take today as we continue to read. In verse 10. So he's face down on the ground. He's passed out. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. Then the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling so this this little section here contains the first of what are going to be three touches from this a, this angel where the angel physically touches Daniel one of the theologians I read called it celestial first aid he is coming to Daniel's aid in in this moment and this is the first one the touch of his hand as he's laying on the ground it gives him the strength to come to his knees and then the angel speaks encouraging words to him he's like listen I'm here with the message from God you are precious to Him. He tells him to stand up. And so Daniel stands up. He's still a little shaky. He's still trembling, but he stands up. And then the angel says, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come in an answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, Came and helped me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision can, concerns a time yet to come. So this is this is a cool place right here, guys. He's he's giving us a kind of a peek behind the curtain, a, a look into this unseen spiritual world that exists all around us. We're, we're talking about a battle that's happening in the the heavenly realm, in the spirit world, right? There there are spiritual powers, both good and bad, behind everything that happens, behind various human institutions and governments and kingdoms. We've talked a lot about the spirit of Babylon, this demonic force that invades that that Babylonian culture that's happening to us in our our world today, in our, our country that we live in, in our culture. You have the prince of Persia here. He's not referring to an earthly prince, right? He's a a spirit prince, an evil angel, AKA a demon. This prince of the Persian kingdom is, is a supernatural, evil, demonic being that fights on behalf of that human kingdom. And then on the other side, you have Michael who God has sent to protect Israel. He is Israel's spirit prince. Michael, you, you can find him all throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament and the book of Revelation. He's God's archangel, which means first chief angel. He's been assigned by God to, to protect the Jewish people, to protect Israel. So if you, if you think about it, that's probably one of the reasons that Israel still exists. After all the people throughout time that have tried to make it to where they don't exist, they have Michael protecting them. God himself is protecting his people, no matter how weak they seem politically or their military, economic, whatever, they're being protected. God is with them. He sends Michael to protect them in this this spiritual realm. So Persia, you have the spirit prince of Persia. Satan would have concentrated his efforts in that Persian kingdom, the Persian government. Why? Because they were the most powerful one. They, they, they basically ruled the world. He was, he was active because they were influential. So he was doing everything that he could to influence Persia. Satan was active in government then. And guess what? Satan is active in government today. He still attempts to influence earthly leaders and governments. He focuses attention on the nations of the world with the most influence. Who do you think that sounds like today? Sounds like America. <laughs> of course, Satan is going to be alive and active in our culture, in our governments, in our policies. It's no wonder we live in this culture that's completely contrary to the, the spirit of God, that's running away from God, this, this spirit of Babylon, as we've been talking about. So we learn a few things. There's an invisible spiritual war happening that involves angels and demons and, and us as humans, believers. Governments and rulers and kingdoms, they're, they're all influenced. And, and just like we see in Daniel 10, God's angels act on behalf of us believers. You know, I think personally, we, we'd be blown away if we knew how much just spiritual activity is happening all around us all the time. Angels, a- angels all around us, angels protect us and watch over us and fight on our behalf and they comfort us, minister to us, just like we're seeing Gabriel do here with Daniel. People pray, God sends angels. Just like we see here with with Daniel. Moving on in verse 15. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. He said to the man, to the one standing in front of me, I said to the one standing in front of me, I'm filled with anguish because of the vision I've seen, my Lord. And I'm very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. He says it again, you're precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for... You have strengthened me. This is the the second and the third touches from this, this angel. The second one's a little different, right? He touches Daniel's mouth. Daniel's just overcome, right, in that moment. He touches Daniel's mouth. And it seems like to me, this angel gives Daniel the strength to express his weakness in this moment. He touches Daniel's mouth. Daniel starts to speak, who am I that you would speak to me? He says, I'm filled with anguish. I have no strength. I can hardly breathe. He was at the end of his rope. Maybe you've been there. So he gives him the power to express what's going on inside of him. And then he touches him a third time. And again, he encourages him with his words and he tells him, Listen, you are precious to God. Be strong, don't be afraid. And what happens? His, his strength returns and he tells the angel, all right, all right, I, I'm, I'm ready. Tell me what you need to tell me. And so he does that in verse 20. Angel says, do you know why I've come? Soon I must return to the fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I'll, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. Remember the spirit prince of the people of Israel? I've been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. So he tells him, listen, I'm here. I'm about to open up the the book of truth. God God is saying here through this angel to Daniel that he and the angels are gonna fight on behalf of God's people. And this, this book of truth is talking about God's plan for Israel and the world. And it's like he's, he's, t- he's telling Daniel, listen, I know you're in despair. I know it looks hopeless, but help is on the way. The good news is coming. God has written the future. We know how it, how it turns out. You got to remember the people of Israel to this point have experienced nothing but oppression and slavery and exile. They, they were in a hopeless state and it's like God is saying, listen, I've written the end of the story and it's good news. The good guys win. And then he goes on to share this book of truth with him. And this is going to take us in the next couple of weeks. Don't miss what's coming. But even from this kind of setup into those next two chapters, there is so much here that we can take away from this. And so I've got, I've got three of them for you today. So if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. The first one's this. You can't fight heavenly battles with earthly weapons. You can't fight heavenly battles with earthly weapons. Ephesians chapter six, you might have recognized this verse from Paul. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a war going on around us all the time. And we are involved in it. We should be involved in it. We, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight a spiritual battle. We aren't in a physical battle where we take ground by force. We're in a spiritual battle that has to be fought with spiritual weapons. This was the teaching and life of Jesus who his followers fully expected him to come and lay waste to the Roman empire and to sit on an earthly throne, you know, kill a lot of people and set up his kingdom here on earth. And that's not how it went. Instead, he he let himself be arrested and he was led like a a lamb to the slaughter. He won by losing because there there were bigger things at stake than just that earthly kingdom. We don't kill or coerce or resort to violence. We, We surrender to the one who holds the book of truth, the one who wrote the future, who holds our future. So, if we're gonna fight a spiritual battle, we can't do that with worldly weapons. We need heavenly spiritual weapons. So what are our weapons? Our heavenly weapons are prayer, the word, and worship. These are three things we're gonna take a quick inventory of our lives, okay? I'm, I'm asking you to kind of look at these and, and kind of gauge on, on where are you in this, in this battle that we're all supposed to be fighting. Prayer, the word, and worship. The first one is prayer. Most people don't see prayer as an offensive weapon. Right? Even, even when we're thinking of something to do, we say, well, let me pray first and then I'll know what to, to do. But, but prayer in actuality is an offensive weapon. It's a spiritual weapon, a powerful tool where we can do real battle with real evil forces. Maybe we should take a key from from Daniel here who took a look around him and was just driven to his knees in prayer, who fasted and prayed and we fasting is one of those things you just don't hear a lot about anymore. How many people are, are really choosing to fast to deny themselves of something in order to seek God to hear more clearly, to pray more earnestly? We see fasting. You know some of the biggest names in the Bible thought fasting was important. You had Moses did it. King David did it. Esther, Paul, Jesus himself fasted and prayed. I don't know about you, but if, if Jesus thinks it's important, Jesus, who is all God in, in, a, you know, in a man's body, if he thinks it's important to fast and pray, maybe we should too. Maybe it's time for us to get into a little bit of a, a prayerful turmoil. As we Look at our lives, our our marriages, our our kids' lives. I mean, Satan is trying to take you out and your kids, your families. Shouldn't we be doing something on the offensive side to try to combat his plans? I mean, how how active are you when it comes to prayer? (laughs) Is it more of just a request line? Or are we going on, on the offensive this is where I plug city nights. You know, every week, Wednesdays at 6:30, we pray right here in this room. We pray for each other. We pray for our ministries of our church and across the world. We pray for our, our nation. We, we do battle. Are you in the game or are you on the sidelines? Prayer. It's, it's a powerful weapon. The next one is God's Word. God's Word is a weapon. That's why we've been doing this series. We, Clayton and I have said this over and over and over, but we, we need the inspired word of God, right? We need a deep knowledge of the truth of God's word, not just feel-good sermons or inspirational sermons, not just verses of the day, but a deep knowledge of the scripture. The, the only way to get the scripture inside of us is to take it in, to read it, to study it. The word of God is, is a weapon Down below, we read that that verse out of Ephesians 6 when Paul was saying, you know, we fight these heavenly battles against these evil forces. Down a little further, he goes into the, the armor of God. You might be familiar with some of these. Belt of truth, body armor of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, all defensive weapons, right? Then he gets down to sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. The only offensive weapon listed there is God's word. Hebrews says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's a weapon. Jesus, when he fasted and prayed, he was about to be led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan himself. When he got out there and he was being tempted by Satan How did he combat those temptations? How did he do battle in that moment? Just willpower? Did he say, hey, I'm Jesus, leave me alone? No, he he quoted scripture to Satan. He used the weapon of God's word to combat the lies of the enemy. We should be doing the same thing. Lies coming at us all over the place. Things we think and feel just, just not lining up with God's word. We need to be using the truth of God's word to combat the lies of the enemy. But again, we have to know it. Are, are, you, are you reading the word? Are you studying it? This is the part I push our daily devos in our app. We've made it easy for you to, to study the word, to ask questions, to apply it to your life. Is that an area you need to have a tweak to get in the game? And finally, worship. Worship's a powerful weapon. You got prayer, the word of God, and, and worship. Worship is not just singing pretty songs, right? It's not just to get us in the mood, you know, f- for, for a sermon. Worship is a weapon. It's, it's a combination of prayers and scripture and biblical truths that are set to music. And music is a powerful weapon on its own. You know, you can just hear music without words. Music can move you. It's the deepest part of who you are. You combine music with the truth of God's word, it is explosive. Worship is a weapon. It's a way to to proclaim the truth of God into the atmosphere, into the heavenly realms. When we worship in in this place, our our songs don't stop at the ceiling. They, They make it to heaven. And when we choose to do battle by worshiping, when we sing out truth, right? Especially when we're defeated or feeling low or broken. When we choose to worship God in this way, things happen. Enemies are defeated. Things change on the inside of us. We're going to sing a song in a minute that has this line I love in it. Our weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. Worship is a weapon. What's your worship look like? How often are you really engaged? Not just Passing the time. So where do, you, where do you need some growth, some prayer, some reading the word in your worship? These are the, the spiritual weapons. We need to do spiritual battle. Second takeaway is this. You're precious to God. You are precious to God. Just like God spoke to Daniel. He speaks to you. You are precious to God. Maybe you've been where Daniel is, and you just feel down. You just feel depressed. You feel broken. Maybe you, you identify with that man. Who who am, who am I that that you would love me? Who am I that you would speak to me? That you would use me? Have you have you been there? I think God today wants to to encourage some of us with this his presence, his, his touch. You, you are precious to him. Psalm 139. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wrap your brain around this next one. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. That is true of you. God knit you together in your mother's womb. He saw you from the beginning. All your days planned out. He thinks about you. He loves you. He is crazy about you. He, he loves you. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. God loves you. Period. And, and it's the perfect kind of love. Completely unconditional. In spite of what you've done, what you're going to do, the mistakes you make, the times you run from him, it, he loves you. How much does he love you? He loves you all the way. He loves you all the way to the cross. He wanted a relationship with you so badly. But there wasn't a way for us to have a relationship with God. We're, we're sinful. He is holy. We have a problem. So he sent Jesus to live that perfect life that we can't live. And, and he, he literally became sin. He took our sin, our shame upon himself. He's nailed to the cross. He died as, as the perfect sacrificial lamb. He paid our penalty, he took our place died for us, rose from the dead, just to give you the opportunity to turn to God and to bow the knee to begin a relationship with him. He did that for you. He doesn't regret it. He would do it again. He loves you that much. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but if you have any doubts, whether you truly belong to him, whether you really have a relationship with, with Jesus, don't waste another day. I mean, what, what, what are we doing? We're, we're talking, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. This is one of those things we have to get right. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Not, not depending on how good you are or how much you attend church or how much scripture, you know, none of that. It's not good enough. But put your faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross for you. then you can start a relationship with the one that holds the book of life, the, the book of truth. He holds your future. He's written the end of the story. Man, if you wanted to start a relationship with him today, do it, let us know about it. We're, we're a church family here. And as your family wanna know about that decision, you can jump on the app and tell us about it on the Connect form. We wanna walk with you, wanna encourage you. wanna talk about next steps in your relationship with Jesus. precious to him. He loves you. All right, this, um, this last takeaway is a little heavy. So just go with me for a second. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say, you know what? I, I don't got this. You know, as Christians, we're bad about mask wearing. I'm not talking about COVID masks here. I'm talking about, we're bad about, we have this tendency to, to pretend, to, to put on a mask, to pretend we have it all together when we don't have it all together. Do to, we pretend to be something that, that we're not? And that's that's not how a healthy family operates. You, you've probably done it five or six times today already as you walk in, how are you today? I'm good, are you good? I'm good, are you good? Hey, we're all, I'm all good. I'm good, you're good, we're all good. And inside you might be dying, broken, hanging on by a threat, but you put the brave face on and you say, you say you're good. It's okay to to not be okay. I mean, if you can't not be okay with your family, who, who can you be not okay to? Sometimes we we hurt, sometimes we suffer. How how are we gonna respond in the middle of that? C.S. Lewis said this, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Maybe in the middle of your pain, God is shouting to you. Unfortunately, a lot of us, we don't hear them until we're in the middle of our brokenness and a weakened state. much like Daniel we just saw. And God's shouting to us, "Listen, I see you. I, I'm with you, I'm with you. I know what you're thinking, how you're feeling. You're precious to me. Just get up. Be strong, courageous. I wanna speak to three different groups of people and there's gonna be some overlap probably, maybe you're one or two of these, maybe you're none of them. But I I wanna take some time to pray for three groups of people today. The first one is this, maybe you're suffering because of some kind of spiritual problem. Maybe like we talked about before, you haven't committed your life to Christ, you're not following Jesus and your life is broken. Maybe you are a believer but you've been kind of doing life your own way. You know, we tend to to worship these counterfeit gods to make idols in our life and to to have the wrong thing at the center of our life, that that wrong thing, you know, spinning around the wrong axis and and it wears us out. Maybe you're living in a way that's contrary to the spirit of God that's inside of you. And you're in that vicious cycle of just failure and shame, failure and shame, and it's wearing you out. It's a miserable way to live. Happy on the outside, miserable and lonely on the inside. I think today he wants to give you strength with his his touch. Just like when the angel touched Daniel's lips, it gave him kind of the strength to, to say, you know what, I'm weak in this moment. I think he wants to do the same with some of you, give you the courage to take that mask off and say, I'm not okay and let God's presence strengthen us. That's what he does. Maybe you need to open up and tell somebody something, tell somebody what's going on, get the poison out. You know, this last year of my life has been, I mean, by far the toughest. I know a lot of you probably feel the same way. It had nothing to do with the pandemic or anything else, just going through a lot of stuff my family's been through a lot of stuff. And just over the course, sometimes, somehow over the course of of a year, I just slid into a, a lower and lower, darker and darker place and just wasn't doing good. I mean, some complete emotional breakdowns and panic attacks, I've just never dealt with this in my life. So what did I do? I told told some people. I shared it with my wife. I shared it with some of my best friends. They encouraged me to to talk to somebody. So that's what I did. I got some counseling. I started to put some things together and see that I had really made an idol of my my wife, my family. I'd been expecting things from them that only God can give me. My my life was kind of spinning on the, the, the wrong axis and it was completely Tearing me up. Maybe you're there. Maybe you need to tell someone. Who do you need to tell? Sometimes our, our suffering is a spiritual problem. Sometimes it's, it's more physical. That's the second group. Maybe you're suffering because of a physical issue, a chemical issue chemical imbalance. And I'm not talking about talking just to someone, but maybe the right someone, maybe a professional, maybe a doctor, you know, maybe it's time to take a look under the hood, see what's going on inside of you. You can't figure it out. Maybe it's time to not be like Z, knocking Poppy's hand away from the steering wheel, you know, like maybe it's time to see what's going on. Some people just have a physical bent towards anxiety and depression, and they need a little bit of a boost to to get out of the the pit. And it's something, again, I I haven't grown up understanding. A lot of people don't understand these kinds of mental illnesses. Like my answer would be like, oh, you feel sad? Go out and play. It'll be fine, you know, but sometimes it's not that easy. You know, for too long in the church, I think we've expected people to be able to, to pray their way out of it. I'm not saying that God isn't bigger than depression or any kind of mental illness, but sometimes there's just more to it. And this is something, by the way, we're gonna talk more about sometime in the future, but I think we do a disservice to the church when our only answer for those struggling with any kind of mental illness is just have more faith. Pray harder. Maybe Maybe it's more than that. Maybe you need God to give you the strength to take some kind of next step to talk to somebody. Finally, maybe you're, you're struggling, you're broken, you're in pain because you're, you're isolated, you, you feel alone. You don't have a community of people around you that love you, that know you, love you, accept you, and are following Jesus with you. That's kind of an important part of the, the puzzle having people around you that love Jesus, that can pray for you and pick you up if you fall down to be there for you. You know, we weren't meant to go through our life in in isolation. We need community. You may have seen some of the stats on, on COVID this last year, but we had this quarantine, this forced isolation and it's just wreaked havoc on people. 25% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 say they've considered suicide because of the pandemic. 31% said they had symptoms of anxiety, or depression, about 26% reported trauma and stress-related disorders caused by the outbreak. Over 13% they have used alcohol, prescription, or illegal drugs to deal with their stress and anxiety. These are triple the numbers from the previous year. It's not just about a virus, it's about isolation. There's a study by Barna this last year that looked at Christians who were still attending church and those that hadn't because of the pandemic, hadn't watched online or anything. And they found that those who had stopped being connected to the church were more likely to feel insecure, to struggle with anxiety, and less likely to say they had peace that comes from God. This is not an accident. If you don't have community, you need it. I mean, you need it like you need oxygen and if you don't have it, we want to help you find it. This is the part where I talk about city groups. Get in a group, man. Get in a group. Let me help you find a group. You can find one on, on the app. You can search for different things if you want to take it, do it that way. Or I can help you find one. I can help you start one. It's with your friends and your, your family. But you desperately need godly community around you. So if you find yourself in one of those three groups I just talked about. We want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something difficult. We don't normally do this on the weekends. We do it a lot at city nights, but we want to pray for you, but we can't pray for you if if we don't know that you need prayer. So I'm going to ask you to to be transparent, to be bold. You know, maybe we just need the spirit of God in this moment just like he did for Daniel to give him the courage to express weakness, humility. If you're in one of those three groups um, we want to pray for you so before we do i want to ask that you have the courage to stand up in this moment so if that's you stand if you're online mention in the comments we'd love to pray for you there you'll be willing to say you know what it's okay to not be okay it's okay to ask for help thank you guys if you're not standing, if you want to just, if you're comfortable, reach a hand towards them. You don't have to touch them, obviously, but you just want to reach a hand towards them. We want to pray for them. Pray that God would minister to him, them in this moment, that his presence would just be all around them. That just like Daniel, that he would encourage them, remind them that they're precious to him, to, to be bold and to be courageous and to not fear. And just pray that God would give them the courage to take a next step, whatever that means for them, to take some kind of next step towards getting out of the pit that they're in, and that he would surround them with people to help them do that. Let's let's pray for them. God, we thank you for these guys and their willingness to take the mask off, to be like, you, you know what? I'm struggling, I need, I need some help. And I pray that you would just make it so crystal clear in their minds in this moment, where you're leading them and what you're asking them to do, God, that they would run to you and fight the, the, that tendency we have to isolate ourselves, but God, run to you and let you minister to us to encourage us. God, do something in their heart. We're talking about life change here, an action. Give them whatever you're asking them to do next and again, just surround them with people that love you and love them. It can be an encouragement to them. Just give them the courage to act. How we love you in your name. Amen. Listen, we're going to sing a song called Run to the Father. That's just talking about what we've been talking about. If you want to sit down, if you want to stand up, whatever you do, just allow God to continue doing in your heart what he started doing in these last few minutes. There's going to be prayer teams on the side. If you need some extra prayer, do that but let's just do battle as we worship. We're we're singing these songs that are full of God's truth. Do some battle today, whether you feel like it or not. Proclaim the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God and let God minister to you in these moments and really speak to your spirits and finish what he started. Let's sing.